I have preached this message a couple of times down through the years. It's one of my favorite. Um, it's, uh, it is a, it's a message that preaches itself. And um, the best way to use the message, to put to use the message that you're about to hear this morning and next week will be part two, um, is to use it as a gauge, to gauge yourself. Um, you know that you can get the notes. There's good, solid notes for this. And you can also get the uh, MP3 file uh, that's available. But uh, I would suggest that you take this and each of these uh, eight points and use them as a gauge to gauge your life. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 and 29. Uh, this message... Some of you have heard it before. I think the last time I preached it here was 2011. Um, had a different title. This morning's title is Forward Faith. Forward Faith. And if you think about it, just, just before we read the text, um, not everybody who has faith in God actually moves forward in life with their faith. But the Lord has put the spirit of faith in us so that we would progress in life. God wants us to move forward. He's put objectives before us. He wants us to, as the Bible says, overcome. And that means forward progress in life. It means passing through seasons of change and transformation. And we cannot transform without faith. And it's got to be a forward faith. It can't be a stagnant faith. And I like to say that, uh, that what the Lord has given us is not belief. He's given us faith. It's not believism. It's a forward faith. So you get the idea of where we're going with this. This is the story of Moses, and it's uh, just encapsulated. And there's eight words that are prominent that, that jump out of this that I'm going to key in on in this teaching and this message this week and next week. Here we go. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, or when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect for the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible, through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn of Egypt should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as if on dry land, which the Egyptians attempting to do were drowned. So the Bible tells the story of the life of Moses as a man of forward faith. And there's eight words that describe that forward faith. They begin in the very first verse with, by faith, and then refused. And then the next word that describes his forward faith is choosing, then esteeming, then forsaking, then he endured, then he kept, and then he passed. So we begin with faith. And let me say to you that this great story of forward faith is a story of one man who advanced an entire race of people by walking in forward faith with God. 
So faith will not only bring you forward in life, but it'll bring your family. It'll bring all those that God has given you. God gives us people. You know, the Bible says the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd, but they're people in our life, and you are that person in someone else's life, that they hear the voice of the shepherd through you. And the Lord wants not only you to move forward in life, but for you to help others to move forward, just as Moses did. So this message is not just a history lesson about Moses' faith. It's a gauge by which you can evaluate your own faith, and you can encourage yourself to walk in the same forward faith. So use this message as a gauge on yourself. Number one, by faith... Moses, when he was come to years. When we first enter the path of forward faith, it begins with the decision to grow up. Coming to years means growing up. Moses, when he grew up. Now, the Bible says that that happened to have been, in his case, 40 years old. Um, there is a time in life when you come to years. Hopefully, everybody in this room has come to years or has grown up. But whether you grow up at the age of 16 or 18 or 26 or 58, coming to years, coming to years isn't a numeric destination. It's a moral destination. It's the day you decide to grow up and you face morality in life. You understand that God is the God of morality and you make decisions about what kind of person you're going to be. That's where faith begins. It begins with coming to years and growing up. And the very first thing that that decision confronts is the decision to change. I don't know if you've noticed, but some change, once it's happened, everything's the same. And sometimes when we go through changes, when it's all over with, we're just the same as we were before we changed. So we're talking about real change, the kind the Bible talks about as transformation. So the first thing that Moses had to learn is that being desperate for change is not faith. Some people get to a point where they feel like something's got to change, something's got to break, something's got to turn around, and they feel that their own desperation for that change is somehow faith, but that's not faith. Surrender to Jesus is faith. Being, being desperate for change is not in and of itself faith. And the reason is, is that changing what's wrong starts with joining what's right. And, and you can't change what's wrong in the world until you have joined what's right. And the only thing that's right in this world is what is righteous. And that is Jesus, the righteous, the, the uh, Jehovah's canoe. Jesus is the Lord who is righteous. So James says, and you'll probably recognize this in, in chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, submit therefore to God. There's your starting point. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Some of you are trying to resist the devil and he's not fleeing. And the reason's right there. You're not submitted to God. Now, I don't say that as a criticism or a judgment because that verse applies to me and applies to all of us. There's no one above that verse. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. Absolute imperative. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, it's not a verse that's qualified by your status in life. 
If you submit to God, I don't care who you are or how weighty your problems are. I don't care how difficult your circumstances. God has a turnaround for you through forward faith. But forward faith begins by coming to years, growing up and realizing there needs to be a change. And deciding that you're going to have that change. And desperation to change is not faith. But surrender to Jesus is. Number two, the Bible says that Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now once you've made the decision to enter the path of the faith that's forward and moves forward, the first step you take is a negative step. It's a negative decision. And that first step in forward faith it begins with refusing to remain in your current condition. The Bible says the first step Moses took was he decided to refuse to be called Pharaoh's daughter. This critical first step has to be complete. You can't do it halfway. You can't come up to an altar and kind of make a decision with your fingers crossed behind your back and then go out and decide that you're going to keep a number of things in your life, even though the Lord's dealing with your body, you're going to hold on to them. Because when you walk away from that altar, your decision hasn't really been made. And so you can't take a step beyond it until you refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, until you refuse to stay in the condition that you're in. And I, listen to me, you refuse. Things are not going to remain the way they are in my life. You drive your stake in the ground. Now, you don't have the power to change those things, but you certainly have the power to refuse to, to let those things control your life. Because the next steps that will lead to your deliverance can't happen until this first step takes place. It's absolutely critical because if not, your forward faith is going to become frustrated faith. Because it's constantly being undermined by double-mindedness and the claims of your old life. Listen to this tremendous passage out of Hebrews as it talks about the great heroes of faith. These all died in faith, referring to Moses and Abraham and David in the Old Testament, who were believing for the Messiah to come, but they died before Jesus came into the world. These all died in faith, having not received the promise, but it says they died in faith. You could see them falling face down in the dust of the earth with their last breath, with their arms reaching forward to the Messiah. But they had not really physically obtained the Messiah, but they died in faith, believing to receive him. And of course, when Jesus died, he went into Abraham's bosom and he collected them all up and took them, hallelujah, as a train of captives out of captivity and into liberty. It says they died in faith, having not received the promises. But having seen them afar off, they were persuaded by them and embraced them and they confessed themselves that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. Now we're talking about refusing to continue where you're at. Right. For they that say such things declare that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be their God, for He has prepared for them a city. Did you catch what it says in there? If they had been mindful of the country they left, they would have had opportunity to return. 
If you want the devil that keeps chasing you through life to let you alone, stop being mindful of what God's trying to deliver you out of. Keep both eyes ahead. Keep your eyes on the cross. Keep your eyes on the resurrection. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because every time you think about Egypt, the opportunity to go back to Egypt is going to show up. Before the end of the day, the opportunity to fall is going to be there. The opportunity to sin is going to be there. The opportunity to rebel is going to be there. It starts within you. You say, why, do these, why does this problem keep happening? Why does this addiction keep coming uh, um, in my life? And by the way, addictions are not always the obvious things that we think about drugs and alcohol or whatever. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things. I'm not even going to begin to go there because I, I, I won't even be able to finish my own message. Um, so the fact of the matter is all of us understand that idea of addiction. It's that thing that just sticks to you and you keep batting it away and it just keeps sticking to you. Why does it keep happening? It's ability to get a hold of you comes from within you. James 1 says a man is sin when he's drawn away of his own lust. Amen. It doesn't say the devil just came and and was able to have his way with you, if you're walking in the light, if you have refused, if you've gone to the altar, if you've cut ties, hallelujah, the devil can come all he wants. He can't touch you. Listen to me. He can't touch you. But when you leave the back door open, honey, you're go he's going to be a wife. A nagging one. He's going to be there. And, and don't complain about what your house looks like. Don't complain about the conditions in your life because you're the one that left the door open. Come on, church. You know what I'm talking about. Pilgrims of forward faith refuse to compromise before they ever really see the fruits of their commitment. It starts with a refusal to be a compromiser. Let's move on. The third step in the forward faith that the Lord is calling us into is choosing. Once you've refused, now there's a choice to make. The Bible says Moses choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now I want you to understand the contrast in Moses' life if you think he doesn't understand where you're at. Moses was a prince. That's why they made the movie The Prince of Egypt. He was not just spared the execution as a baby, he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter and was a prince in the courts of Pharaoh. He was royalty, which means there was nothing he wanted that he couldn't have. He had the best upbringing, ate the best food, wore the best clothes, was in the best position, and if he drove his car too fast and ran a red light, daddy got him out of trouble. There were no consequences. Are you listening to me? He understood favor in a way that you and I have never known favor. Are you listening to me? He knew what it meant to have a privilege. We like to use that term today, privilege. Privilege. And people talk about it, they don't know what they're talking about. Moses had privileges. <laughs> and the Bible says that he went from enjoying the privileges and he refused to be that prince of privilege and chose rather not to be the middle class or not to go spend the weekend out on the street but he went right down into the slave quarters of the Hebrews 
because he knew he was a Hebrew. It was not a mystery. They all knew that he was a Hebrew baby that had been, that had been spared. So the fact that he was Jewish was not a mystery. And so one day he comes to himself and he realizes the world is wrong so far as I'm concerned. This isn't right. My people are in slavery. And he walks away from the courts of the Pharaoh and he walks down into, uh, um, what was the, Gothen? Goth, not Dothan. Goshen, thank you. Thank you, Lord. All right, Goshen goes down into the, the outskirts of, uh, of, of the city and where the slaves lived. And he chose to suffer hardship with them rather than, so listen, listen to me so that you understand what this means. These choices we make are often unappealing in the forward faith, in the progress of faith. But we know they have to be made. They're tough choices because they're, they oftentimes are they're often an affront to our flesh. They often mean things that are going to initially bring hardship into our life. But wise people know how to choose what is best rather than simply drifting along towards what's naturally appealing and easy in life. Wise people know how to make those hard decisions. Jesus chose the cross. And if you think that he didn't want to, go back to the Garden of Gethsemane and listen to his prayer. I would that this pass from me. But Lord, above everything, I want your will. And I know I can't have your will without Calvary. So you know what, Lord? I choose the cross. And not only did Jesus choose the cross, but you and I must choose the cross. Jesus said you can't follow him and you can't be a disciple if you don't take up your cross and follow Jesus. I don't know how often we hear this message in this world today. But in this world that is so focused on everybody's feelings and all their wants and needs and desires. And so critical of any system or institution that doesn't just break itself in half to go give everybody within the sphere of its influence all that they need and want. The message is still there if you want to be a Christian, a real Christian. If you want to live forward faith, you need to take up your cross and you need to follow Jesus. And so that's a tough decision, but wise people still make that decision because if we avoid the cross, we avoid the resurrection. The door to the resurrection is through Calvary, not just for Jesus, but for all of us. Listen, the greatest blessings in life come through choosing what we need over what we want. Amen. Glory to God. And just think about that in terms of where you may be at today with the things that, that you're trying to make decisions about. Or the things that you're praying and believing God for. The things that you're using your faith to believe God for. I want to encourage you in that faith and not discourage you in it. But just realize that there is a forward faith that will move you forward. I think sometimes we believe for things that are not going to bring progress in our life. They're just things that we want. But they're not going to move us forward. When's the last time you set your faith on some decision that actually advanced you towards God's goal in your life? If you think about it, and please don't condemn yourself, but it's, it's healthy. It's healthy to take this personal analysis 
and to say to yourself, when's the last time I really moved forward as a Christian? When's the last time I actually took another step towards the things that God has set before me to do? Or am I still just getting ready to do it? I'm fixing to do it. I'm, I'm praying about it. I'm asking the Lord to help me as though God's going to come to you where you're at and drag you forward. No. He, it's called a walk for a reason. He's willing to walk with you, but you've got to walk. It's not a drag. The Christian life is not a ride. It's not a ride. We're not riding with Jesus. It's a walk with Jesus. Hallelujah. So let's go, to the, let's go to the fourth step. After refusing and then after choosing comes, comes the, the reason why Moses chose what he chose. And that is the word esteeming, estimation. Um, we would say the ability to evaluate, to calculate the worth, esteeming. And the Bible says esteeming the reproach of Christ to be greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For Moses had respect for the recompense of the reward, which was King James' way of saying that Moses saw the reward of following Jesus, and he looked at the reward of being the son of Pharaoh and all the privileges that came with it, and he looked at the two of them and he said, I choose the reward of following Jesus. To me, I see greater value in it. And so let me say to you that if you're going to move ahead in forward faith, you need to learn God's value system. Why are Christians constantly choosing the courts of Pharaoh instead of choosing the way of the cross? Why is that? Is it because they don't love Jesus? I don't necessarily think so. Uh, is it because they're really not Christians? I don't believe that either. Um, I think it's a sincere mistake. But however sincerely the mistake is made, it's still an error. And the error is, I believe, simply this. We don't take time to learn God's value system. What does God say is valuable? Now, if you think about it, it's, it's not hard. It comes pretty easy. And if you're a Christian that reads your Bible, that's one of the reasons. Let me just stop for a moment and preach a little preach a peeve to you. I'd like to see you bring your Bibles to church. I know you all like to bring the iPads and iPhones and everything. Um, and I'm preaching off of an iPad. And even at home sometimes in my study, sometimes I'll use my phone and my iPad. But I think we're undermining ourselves and I think we're about to shipwreck an entire generation who don't use analog Bibles. Paper Bible, you read it, you underscore, you write it. Let me tell you why I think it's dangerous to not do that. There's a difference between getting a Bible and opening it and reading. Reading, underlining, and reading. What happens with these devices is you end up just simply looking up stuff you remember. And I think we're developing people who just have a very narrow understanding of the word, and they just simply live off of what they know, the easy food, junk food, Bible chips. So at any rate, that's me. I mean, I understand that there's people that read the Bible through their device, and I'm not, I'm not saying anything against that. But I just think it's a good habit to own a Bible. I think some of you probably don't even own a Bible. 
I, I, I don't want to know that, but I'm just saying that. So I'm a big advocate. I'd like to, I like to see Christians coming into church with a big old honking Bible under their arm. You know, ruffled up and stuff hanging out of it. Notes and everything. The binding's broken because it's all been used. Hallelujah. So, <laughs> at any rate, you, you get where I'm going with this. Esteeming means learning God's value system. When you enter that path of forward faith and you learn God's value system, you're learning to value the things of God and the value of obedience to Him. And then you weigh them against the offers of the world. And that's how you're able to choose. That's how you're able to make the right choices. There have been plenty of times where I've gone and laid down in my bed at night and say to myself, I blew that. And I can't go back and re-choose to say the right thing or re-choose to do the, the right thing. I did the wrong thing today. I said the wrong thing today. I made the wrong decision today. And why did I do that? Because I wasn't walking in God's value system when that opportunity, that challenge, or that trial came up. And I simply chose the world's values or my emotions or what I thought was right. How often do you and I base our decisions and then defend those positions based on our likes, our preferences, our education, our experience, our family background, our heritage, all things that may be fine, but they're earthly things. If you're going to be a soldier of the cross, if you're going to be an overcomer in the army of the Lord, if you're going to live forward faith and advance in life like Moses advanced, you need to learn God's value system. And you need to let it be like frontlets on your eyes. When you get into those situations, and how many of you know that situations don't announce themselves? They just situate. They just pop up. And you're there. And that's why 10 minutes later you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I shouldn't have acted like that. The believers that respond and react with the Word of God are the ones who live in God's value system. They learn it. They inculcate it into their mind, their heart. They reform their lives around it. And there comes a point in this process, if you want to be the one that is able to leave slavery in Egypt and take a few people with you, you're going to have to do more than just believe. You're going to have to have forward faith, which is a grown-up faith, which is a mature faith, a faith that makes the right decisions, that refuses compromise, that chooses the right things, and evaluates the value of God's values and makes them your own. Philippians 3, 7, and 8 says, But whatever things, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, whatever things were gained to me, those things I counted as loss. For the sake of Christ, and I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. There it is. The man looked at Jesus and he said, now there is value. There is virtue. How can I go back to my old life? How can I live in the tenements of my life, and when Paul talks about rubbish, my life was like living in a slum, a tenement. He was an educated man. He was 
on the fast track of becoming one of the greatest leaders in Israel. So he was not what the people of the world would have looked at as someone, as someone just living in the slums. He was, like Moses, a person of advantage. But when he saw God's value, he saw the value of Jesus, he said, I'm living in the slums. I'm eating out of the garbage pails. I'm living like a pig. Listen to me. We need to stop letting the world tell us that I'm clean. I'm doing well. Look at where I'm at in life. Because if you could see yourself in the Spirit, you stink. Your clothes are, are uh, 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 rotted. You're eating garbage. You're not strong. You're weak. You're not free. You're a slave. There's all kinds of impish spirits that, are, that bind your hands, your feet, your mouth. You can't even go through one day and glorify the Lord without messing it up. Cursing, carrying on, making bad decisions. Now, I, I promised myself I need to get through this message. So I've got to stop preaching against myself here. But, hey, you know, I say put the truth out, let it fall where it will. Nobody's above it. No one's immune to it. So this message isn't going out this way. It's 360 degree. It's catching all of us in the net this morning. Somebody say amen. amen. Say this with me if you feel this way. This message, this message. is catching me catching in, the in the net. I count all things but loss for the, for the surpassing value of knowing Jesus my Lord. So Moses changed his reward. He had everything in front of him as the prince of Egypt. And then he just tossed it aside. And he changed his reward because after estimating the worth of God's favor, he saw that the power and wealth of Egypt was worthless. And when you see the value of knowing Jesus, the value of everything else becomes trash. It becomes worthless. He said, I count it as dung. Now, I'm not going to define dung for you. But just know that if you step in it, you don't want to drag it into your house. You clean it off your feet outside with the garden hose. That's how bad it is. And he said, all those advantages I had, the big man that I was, all the people who liked me, my education, the respect I had from everybody. He had all that. He said, that was dog dung. Think about it. That phrase made it into the Bible. If that was just a, if that was just literary license on Paul's part, it wouldn't have made it into the Bible. That's Holy Ghost language right there. In other words, the Bible says all scriptures inspired by God, profitable for doctrine, correction, and reproof that the servant of God might be thoroughly furnished to every good work. That is the Holy Ghost trying to thoroughly furnish you for every good work. Yeah. Telling you that everything that you think is important is dung. So take it for what it is. It's not Paul's opinion. It's the Holy Ghost That's right. trying to prepare you for forward faith. Amen? Amen? Come on, clap your hands. Give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Amen. We're down to number five. This is the last one. We're going to put a chip clip on it after this and pick it up next week with the final three. Forsaking. Forsaking. Once you have refused, once you have chosen... By estimating the value of serving God, then comes the hard part. But once you've gone through those other three, it's not that hard. Forsaking. The Bible says, 
forsaking Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Listen, it wasn't like Moses could just decide, oh, you know, I don't want to live in daddy's house anymore. I'm just going to go out on my own. See, some of you, you decided to leave home. I, for example, I left home when I was 16 years old, never looked back. And I've been a man ever since at 16 years old. So, um, whether you do it at 16, 26, or 36, all of us pretty much had the freedom to step out. I'm going to leave. Thank you for all that you did. I'm on my own now. But Moses couldn't really do that. When Moses decided to leave the courts of Pharaoh, it was like a death sentence. He was turning his back on the royal family. You don't do that. Make a public statement like that. I'm choosing to go live with these, these poor, wretched people who are your slaves. I choose them over you. That's the statement that Moses was making. I choose your slaves over you. And so it says, he forsook the Pharaoh's house, not fearing the wrath of the king. It, said, it doesn't say he was pretty sure the king wasn't going to get angry. He knew there was going to be more than anger, there was going to be wrath. And the Bible says he didn't fear the wrath of the king. Let it come. Let it fall like a hammer. Bring it, like they like to say. Bring it. Because if it falls on me, it falls on me. I'd rather fall under the hammer of Pharaoh's displeasure than fall under God's rejection. So, he said, I'm not afraid of what's going to happen. You see where, do you see why forward faith is different than the kind of faith that a lot of Christians are walking in today? Where's the bravery? Where's the courage? Where's the sacrifice? I, I listen to people talk about wanting to take mission trips, and I need to be careful because I thank God for everyone that goes out around the world and does things. But, you know, anymore nowadays, a lot, of, a lot of these trips are just like elaborate paid vacations. You know, who wouldn't want to go see the world on a ticket like that? But there's missionaries that we used to go, and, and yeah, they go went with it. Their mother had a tear in their eye because they knew the chances were very high they'd never see their sons and daughters again. You understand what I'm talking about? Forward faith has sacrifices to it. And so he forsook Egypt, not being afraid of the wrath of the king. When we begin our journey in forward faith by growing up and embracing the need to change, that's where we start. Our beginning in this journey is embracing the need to change. But you know, real change cannot come without forsaking the things that oppose what God is trying to change you into. I'll, I'll use English. Let me try that again. Real change can't come without forsaking the things that God's trying to change you into. And so we leave those things behind that are trying to chase us down and drag us back to Egypt. Listen, I'm going to quote again Paul out of the same scripture in Philippians. I'm going to give you the bottom half of that verse I left off. Christ, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but dung or rubbish, in order that I might gain Christ. Now listen to me. I'm not wanting to be difficult, but I've got to lay a truth out on the table for you this morning. If we're going to take seriously what the Holy Spirit put in the, in the pen of 
the Apostle Paul to write here, he said, I've suffered the loss of everything and I count them but rubbish in order, in other words, it was necessary to be done, in order that I might gain Christ. Now, every Christian has Jesus going to go to heaven. But how many of you know, we say it all the time, Jesus saved me for a purpose. There's fruit he wants to bring out of my life. God's got a purpose for my life. And I think it's a little dangerous living on the edge of commitment and never really bailing into it and trying to live 30, 40 years, 50 years as a Christian and never really go forward in faith. There's a little risk involved in that. But, man, I'll tell you, when you launch out into forward faith, God's a keeper of those that walk in forward faith. The pilgrims of forward faith, the Lord keeps them. His power, His anointing, He's promised the powers and the resources of heaven will be there to keep you. You will finish your course. Hallelujah. And the Lord will receive you into glory when that journey is over with. So Paul said, I count all these things as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. There are whole churches, and let's just bring it down to individuals, individual Christians, praying for revival, wanting more of Jesus in their life. But if you want more of Jesus, you better start making some room for him. Because the scripture here that Paul said, he says, I count this stuff as rubbish. What do you do with rubbish? You cart it out, take it to the curb, and then somebody comes and takes it away. And so he says, I count this stuff as rubbish so that I can gain Christ. If you want more of Jesus, maybe you need to make some room for him in your life. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So we'll close with this thought, forsaking. We're at the point where Paul is forsaking. Next week, we start the upward, the upward climb. Hallelujah, where God starts blessing him and we see the Lord moving in power in his life. So you're really going to love next week's three points. Praise the Lord. The hard ones are right here today. You're having to swallow these. But we're closing with the idea of forsaking. Everything has led up to the point where you can actually forsake and take up the cross. Let me give you an idea of what it means in your basic everyday life. Forsake unforgiveness. Your peeves your grudges, your anger, your attitude. Forsake your attitude. Forsake your unforgiveness so that forward faith can bring you into the mercy and blessing of God. You want that mercy, you want that blessing, but you're not putting yourself in a place where God can bring, it, bring you into it. Mercy and blessing is here. But you need God to bring you into it. You want him to bring mercy and blessing to you, but God said, mm -mm, I'm not blessing that mess. I know you're safe, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. But there's still times God looks at you and he loves you. All of you that have raised children, you ever had your child go out and come back having fought with a skunk? Come on, you hold that child off a little bit until he's got the tomato and worked them over with the hose. And so, listen, forsake unforgiveness in all of its various forms so that forward faith can bring you into mercy and blessing. God wants to bring you into mercy and blessing. If you're not getting mercy in your life, if you're not receiving blessing, trying it the way you've been trying it, then try my way. Or try the Bible way that I'm sharing with you this morning. You go 
And with forward progress, you move into mercy and you move into blessing. If it's not coming to you, you go to it. Amen. Forsake corruption so that forward faith can bring you into divine favor. Many of you want favor in your life. You want God to, to bless you. And you know what? He wants to bless you. He wants to give you favor. He wants to cause you to be victorious and not to be defeated. He wants you to get that deal, win that contract, get that house, be able to make that connection. He wants to be able to lift you up as a prize of this is my child. But in order for God to bring divine favor to you, you need to leave corruption behind. Forsake corruption. If there's things in your life and your thinking and your behavior and your language that's corrupt, forsake it. Walk away from it and watch God bring you into favor. And let me just say this, this is really practical and we're gonna, with this, close our Bible and pray. Forsake every plan that opposes your forward faith. There, that just kind of covers it all, doesn't it? I don't know what you're planning to do after church today. I don't know what you're planning to do this week. I don't know what all kind of plans you have. Don't let any man tell you this is right, this is wrong. You can't do this, you can't do that. I'm not suggesting that people should be able to dictate over your life. And I would not necessarily say that um, my message should inspire you to consider what we traditionally think as being wrong and right from a church standpoint, that you should necessarily put yourself under that. But go to the Bible. Go to the Word of God. Find out what God's Word really says. And let the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, 1 John chapter 5, verse 27, the anointing that abides within will teach you all things. And so let the Holy Spirit teach you. Let Him deal with you. Let Him convict you. Then you're following the Lord. And so anything that you're planning that's going to impede your forward progress in God, unplan it. Forsake that plan. And ask the Lord to give you His plan. Let's stand together.